Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm your host, Father Shane Demon, And I'm Father Travis Crotty. And we are pleased to be with you today, coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. Father Travis, you're doing all right? Doing great. Oh, yeah. We are pleased However, to have a wonderful guest with us back in the studio. We are. Welcome back, Father Taylor Leffler. Hello, everybody. of the Archdiocese of Omaha, Nebraska. Happy to be back with you, Father Travis and Father Shane, here in the illustrious Diocese of Sioux City, Iowa. If you haven't heard of the episode where Father Taylor talks all about weddings, you're going to want to check that out. Oh, well, thanks. I enjoyed doing so, it. So, we're in Sioux City. You ever been to Sioux City? Besides just coming here to record these podcasts? Yeah, I drive through Sioux City a lot you to do? get up to Lamar's, which is funny. Well, sure. But no, I, when I was a kid, we came a couple times. Uh, when I was in, I don't know, like eighth grade or something, I came to the Orpheum Theater to see Les Miserables. Um, before the movie, before it was before cool. Before the movie, before wow. it was cool. And I fell asleep. <laughs> Somehow. How old were you? <laughs> I, I was I was. In, That's a pretty intense musical to fall asleep right? in. I mean, I, there's like... They French just, Revolution, like, people are dying. They sang everything, though, and I like, wasn't ready for that. <laughs> now like, why a, is the stage turning? Now yeah. you're a huge musical guy. I, I am. A Hamilton I, devotee, for sure. Yes, yes, I've seen Hamilton before. Uh, I know almost every words to every <laughs> all the words to <laughs> yes. most of the songs. Anyway, yeah, I, and then I also came to Sioux City when I was a second grader before my first communion. Oh. We came to Trinity Heights here. Yes, in we mentioned Sioux that City. one time. Big shrine. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, Big I remember giant seeing a sure. huge that huge Last Supper thing that's carved out of wood. Mm-hmm. Sure. Your parishioner, Father Travis, We've carved that. About, yes. Mm-hmm. And then we went to some park. What's the park called? The Big State Park. Stone, Stone. State Park. Stone, Stone State. State Park. We went there and we were doing some like nature things as second graders. And one of the moms, we had, we had different moms that were with sure. us. And a mom took a group of like, I don't know, eight of us into the woods and whatever. We got lost. As second graders. Yeah, we're like seven, eight years old. <laughs> and we got lost in the woods. So I remember like we finally popped out of the woods and there was this like blacktop. And so we're walking along the road and this little old lady comes up in a red car. And she picked all of us up and we crammed like seven, seven-year-olds Whoa. into this car. And we came up to the whatever the little sensor, there's like the parking lot or whatever. Sure. Cops galore. There's cops. Send, they're like, send they're out looking. the hounds. The yeah. children are missing. Oh, seven, seven-year-olds. Oh, wow. From Bring West Point, Nebraska. Gosh. I there's hope, cops and, and our second grade teacher was crying. I hope there's no experience of kind of triggering any sort of PTSD trauma. right yeah. here. I'm, I'm not feeling You're very feeling traumatized right now. Okay, no PTSD. Good. Good. I'm happy well. to be here in Sioux City. Well, next time you're We're back, happy we, to have you in Sioux City. <laughs> we could go hiking in Stone State Park. <laughs> I can redo it. I actually mentioned that to Father Taylor today, and I hadn't realized that he had such a traumatic experience. Well, it's time to kind of to face your fears right. okay. and to go back and reconquer Stone State Park. We're going to let him get lost in the woods again. Yeah, wow. right. Wow. We're going to ditch you. We know the secret path. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> Fathers, it's great to be with you. And uh, I've had a topic on my mind, and I'd love to have kind of your input as Brother Priest. Uh, sometimes when I meet people who are new to the community, maybe newly married couples, maybe you're a, a young single person who's taken a job recently in a community, either moving there, coming out of military service, coming out of university studies. Sometimes people don't know how to get involved. Mm -hmm. And there's this dreaded question like, should I join the parish council? 
or run for the hills, you know, <laughs> and and you could you could expand that on terms of, in terms of any parish leadership leadership position, any parish committee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, young adults, even middle aged adults, you know, kind of have a stereotype that they don't want to get involved. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll volunteer, but don't make me go to regular meetings. I can't possibly commit that much time. And we're talking like maybe 12 hours a year. Right. You got the Knights of Columbus recruiter hounding you to. Right. And yeah. so there's, there, there's going to be this fear, like, am I going to get sucked into something that's going to consume my life? And is it going to suck? And is my life going to be over? <laughs> With young kids too. Right. right. If you're trying to raise a family and do I really want to get involved in a committee or a council or a board that, well, all those people are older than me and they've been there for a hundred years and mm-hmm. nothing ever changes, but I, I see some things that I'd like to change here in the parish or sure. maybe your local school. And there's things that it would be nice to kind of animate and, and bring some new energy to, but I don't know if I'm the right catalyst to do that. So what should I do? Um, this question comes up often and I don't think people, uh, especially of a younger generation, know how to properly engage and find their voice, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's a community in which people are like, well, we've always been on the parish council. We've always held these positions on this board or that board because, well, no one volunteers. And so they're actually afraid to step down because, well, who's going to pass the baton on then? Right. Who's going to hold this parish on their back when right. these kind of heavy hitters leave? Yeah, exactly. And so, and then, and then some people say, well, I'm not going to stand up because these heavy hitters have always done things their way and they've always mm-hmm. been in control and things just never change. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I think that reality of, of, getting fresh ideas, fresh leadership can really scare some people uh, or they just get used to the status quo and it's just more comfortable to just simply be who we've always been. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I'd like to kind of lean into that today and unpack that and get your input. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have been in a variety of different parishes, both in seminary, in priesthood, and just from the towns that you've grown up in. And uh, how, do we, how do we invite people into leadership roles, into service opportunities to find our voice to have a forum where new ideas can can percolate among mm-hmm. among the parish leadership or the staff or even among the local priests in a way that's inviting and encouraging, mm-hmm. doesn't kind of scare them, doesn't burn them out. Yeah. Uh, there's a clear exit strategy so they can <laughs> they can find their voice and not have to serve like a ten year term. Sure. Right. I mean I, I can start by saying this. I am here because uh, a woman had the courage to dream about something that could happen in my really small town. I mean, mm-hmm. I give a lot of a lot of the credit of my vocation as a priest to her. And so she was this middle-aged mom who was coming back from Germany. Um, she and her husband were, in, or she's he was in the Air Force. She was married to him. And so they came back to West Point, Nebraska, where her husband grew up. And she had had a lot of experience with life teen. So she actually grew up a, the daughter of a Baptist preacher, mm. converted to Catholicism when she got married, got involved in life teen, just like had incredible gifts of the Holy Spirit. Life teen is a, like a youth group program for those who haven't heard about it. Right. Kind of a, it might be international even. It oh, is now. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a huge deal. But she was involved like in the 90s and early 2000s. And so she comes to this small town, West Point, where I'm from, 3,400 people sure. in northeast Nebraska. And she's like, where's the youth group? And they're like, there is no They're like, group. what's a youth like, group? We have a school, right? <laughs> yeah. We have a big Catholic yeah. grade school and high school. But. They have a prom. They have a football <laughs> team. That's our youth group. Yeah. We, have we got a Dairy Queen and, in town. That's all uh-huh. you need. No, she's like, we need a youth group. And mm. people are like, we don't even know what that is. And she's like, here's the deal. Like, you find – she's like, I don't know anybody, but if you can find people, 
I, I know how to like do this. And so she went to the pastor and said to the pastor, like, hey, can I please start a youth group? And the pastor's like, uh, maybe. Like, what does that mean? Sure. But she just dreamed and dreamed and dreamed. And she's like, I don't know. We'll just try it. We'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it exploded from mm-hmm. there. I mean, all sorts of kids were coming out of the woodwork. And not only kids, but then adults started coming out of the woodwork and sharing their own experiences of the faith. Like, there's these adults that I sat next to in church my entire life. I've never heard their testimony before. Mm-hmm, I've right. never heard about what it was like when they encountered Jesus for a really incredible time for the first time. I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. And so now they're, they're, we're just like, we're sharing all sorts of stuff. And it was just amazing. So that, that was kind of my, that was my in to encountering Jesus in a really real way and thinking about the priesthood for the first time. All, all because this woman, she sort of dared to to dream, to imagine something that didn't exist. And she's like, Hey, we're, I'm just going to try it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, plow anybody over, mm-hmm. but I'm going to, I'm going to ask if we can do this and I'm going to, I'm going to dream and I'm going to imagine what this could look like. Mm-hmm. And then look what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear a lot of people and I do it too, complain that there's, that there aren't things in parishes. There's no youth group. There's no this, there's no outreach to the youth. How are we going to get all these young people or whatever the ministry might be? There's no ministry of bereavement to those who've lost spouses. There's this, there's no this, there's no this. And then they kind of point at the parish leadership. And in small towns, that really might look like the pastor, possibly a parochial vicar, like an assistant priest, maybe like the business manager and the secretary. And that might be it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love this example of this woman who just stepped up because she wanted something and maybe she... I don't know, complained a little bit about it, but she just took this step to do it instead of just kind of, I don't know, waiting for like the priest to just <laughs> magically have the idea. That's you know? the thing. I mean, she wanted the priest's permission, of course, but, oh, yeah. but she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll build up a team of adults that are willing to do this. And mm-hmm. yeah, it bore incredible fruit. Wow. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll even say I, I was the first guy from my hometown to, to be ordained a priest for the Archdiocese of Omaha in 40 years. Wow. Sure. I don't know what happened in 40 years. I mean, we had this big Catholic school and all these kids going through Catholic school, but I'm the first priest at West Point in 40 years mm. for the Archdiocese of Omaha. And so, yeah, I mean, it, the Holy Spirit worked through her incredibly. And and I, just, I, wonder, I wonder who else is out there who has these ideas and they're sort of waiting for somebody else to step up or they're waiting for the priest to just do it mm-hmm. or they're waiting for somebody else. And it's like, well, you, you might be able to, to sure. do it. You don't have to do it all on your own, but you might, you might pitch the idea and see what happens. sure. sure. As you're sharing that, I'm thinking of many times when I've heard older priests or members of the community talking about, well, how do we reach the young people like you just described? I remember in seminary once uh, a, a few priests were having that discussion. How do we reach your, your generation of, of young college students? How do we reach that? And one guy s- stepped up and he kind of said, well, I don't think it's your job to reach them. It's our job. It's our job as peers to reach out. So I think, Father Shane, back to your uh, kind of original thought of, okay, how do I get involved in the parish? I think it's really important just to recognize there is a need for young people for every age kind of um, in the parish to be involved in leading, to reach out to especially their peers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) everybody. There's, there's a beautiful thing about having kind of more mature kind of like mother, spiritual mothers and fathers throughout a parish kind of raising up the next generation but there is something beautiful of peers being able to testify to their peers. This is what the church means to me. This is what my relationship with the Lord means to me. Um, and sometimes that can be led from more of a intentional place in the parish community. Very much so. 
because you don't have to have all the answers just to reach out to your peers. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've mentioned on this show before, just building relationships and, and uh, forming some companionship to lead people into a, a deeper sense of communion can be a helpful starting point. Uh, Father Taylor, what I liked about that example that you shared with that woman who had the idea of life teen is that obviously came from her own experience of encountering Christ. Mm-hmm. It came from a, a place of prayer um, that she had thought about this. She had prayed about it. She was chewing on it. It wasn't just kind of this going on on a limb and, well, I'm just going to go wing this and see what happens. She was also able to run with the idea, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's like the worst. When someone comes up to you in the parish and they're like, Father, I think you should go do this. Or, <laughs> Father, you know, yep. someone should look into this. It's like, well, here, grab a shovel, yep. start digging. Yep. Help yeah. us, yep. help us yeah. be part of the solution, you know, if right. you've got all the answers. Because mm-hmm. I got my plate full right now. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're great ideas. Sometimes they're a little crazy. Um, but for someone who's not willing to kind of step up and put their money where their mouth is, since they have all the bright ideas, it's beautiful that she was like, if you will help me, I will run with this. Right. You know? what, and what I love, too, is in some ways it really is a response of like, okay, pick up the shovel and help. But then it's, it's a beautiful empowerment of who we actually are as the church. Non-Catholic Christians, some Protestants, get this way better than we do. The church does not equal the bishop and those on the chancery staff, Mm -hmm. nor does it equal the pastor and those who have an office at the parish facility. No, if you're a baptized Christian, you're you're the church. Right. Mm -hmm. You're the body of Christ. So then the mission of the church is your mission, too. It's not just the people who get kind of paid in professional ministry positions. Mm -hmm. I think all three of us have experienced—I mean, yeah, there's a lot that can happen— at the parish space itself, especially on Sunday or whatever. But we know all sorts of young people, young couples who host like Bible studies for men sure. or Bible studies for women or Bible studies for couples. They might even call it a Bible study, but it's just like a book study or something. Mm-hmm. But they have men or women or couples or whoever who meet in somebody's home on whatever night and they hang out and have drinks or have dinner together. Mm-hmm. And that's where the formation and the learning and the growing together is happening. And and not not sort of beside the parish, but it's like not not everything that happens in your spiritual life has to happen like at the parish. Right. Now the beautiful thing is they all come together in the same place on Sunday to worship. Mm-hmm. That's where that's the source and summit of their spiritual life in the Eucharist that they experience together in the same church. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what some of our Protestant brothers and sisters are missing, sure. that there's not a, a group experience of worship on the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think we get really good as Catholics. Sure. However, so much new life is coming up in these small groups and they're meeting in people's homes. So it doesn't even need to be facilitated by the pastor or the faith formation person or the adult faith formation person. You know, right. It can just happen amongst really faithful Christians who want to do that in their home. I like how that kind of takes down the dichotomy of, do I just sit in the pew and go to mass and just kind of hang out and pray? Or do I join the parish council? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of different things in the middle between Mm -hmm. those two. While you might be kind of invited and called to do something like step up and join something with more of like a um, intentional leadership position, there are so many opportunities to lead as a Catholic Christian in your community that doesn't have to be either be on the parish council or nothing at all. Right. Yeah. There's, with, a, there's a girl in, in Omaha who just asked me, she goes, Hey, would you, would you be interested in kind of helping to be a chaplain for this little group of, she called it the fellowship of Catholic artists. So she, she's an artist. She's all these artist friends that she's meeting around Omaha. And she's like, 
we need to hang out. Like we need mm-hmm. to get together once a month and like share our arts and like go do artistic things together. I mean, so what another great example of like, this isn't even a Bible study or a prayer group or something. It's like these Catholic artists who are really good at art and they just want to share their love of art. Okay. So, I mean, may, maybe it's something as creative as that, that, that the Lord is inviting you mm-hmm. to be a part of or to bring people together like that. That's beautiful. One more thing I think should be important to remember is, you know, if you're new to a community, if you've just moved in, maybe you've just gotten married, you took a job there recently, sometimes we can kind of identify to say, boy, in this small town, maybe this parish isn't on fire as much as I'd like it to be. I think it's also important to kind of recognize, okay, well, let's let's have some humility and charity to say, these people, though they might not have, in your eyes, the most perfect parish, They have been faithful, and the light of Christ has been shining here for mm-hmm. decades and generations. And so I think it's also important to say, well, when you've got all these wonderful new ideas that you want to come forward with and you want to go light a fire, well, let's have the humility to say also, uh, how can I work with these people who are already here? Uh, how can I also have the humility to say, you know, Rome wasn't built overnight. <laughs> And we're going to maybe just start on one little thing, maybe come up with a fresh idea here, a new take on this. Maybe there's just an uh, innocent oversight on the part of the pastoral staff or the parish council to say, boy, we're really not reaching these homebound people or we're we're really not reaching, you know, this segment of our parishioners. Um, So I think, you know, it it doesn't become kind of an us versus them mentality like, those people always deal with the status quo. There are some people like that out there, mm-hmm. but we don't have to create our artificial divisions within the parish mm-hmm. with some very well-meaning people who have been trying to kind of fight the good fight for many years, maybe with limited resources, mm. maybe with a very limited experience. Maybe their whole experience of Catholic life is only that town oh, and yeah. only that parish for their entire lives. Sure. Yep. And so just having the humility and charity to say, okay, maybe these people come from a, a limited experience that might, perhaps mine is more broadly ex, uh, exposed if I just came from a Newman Center at a big state university or whatever. How do I meet them where they're at, and how do I live with them in a way that I, I share in their wisdom, I grow in their experiences, but also maybe offer a few new dynamics or uh, new perspectives? Mm-hmm. I think this it relates well to my experience of stepping into the presbyterate or the, the priest of our diocese here. The, the internet and memes and stuff over the past few years have just accentuated these like generational divides with all of these kind of like, there's this whole like millennial boomer or like zoomer, the generation Z, all this stuff that just keeps getting thrown around by basically <laughs> older folks might just criticize millennials for being lazy. And then millennials criticize boomers for being closed minded or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. What I've realized stepping into the presbyterate was, yeah, we can have all these idealistic, uh, plans and seminary, then you realize that these men in the presbyterate and the priesthood of our diocese have been priests way longer than I've been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been faithful too. They, yeah, there might be things that could be done better or no one's offered them a fresh perspective and they've been kind of in the trenches of ministry for so long that it's helpful to kind of have somebody coming in with new ideas. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I can't remember if I've mentioned this before here with you, Father Shane, but I remember a priest in our diocese I lived with over the summer he told me once and just offered this great example of how generations can work together well. And he said, no, it's beautiful. The, the young priests can come in with fresh ideas, and the older priests can offer this sort of wisdom of years of experience. And both of those can kind of meld together in a really mm-hmm. beautiful harmony. Yeah. 
temper the idealism, right? But jump out of the blocks too. You yes, know? yes, 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 <laughs> exactly. Big time. And I think what I've experienced in the presbyterate and what I will for the rest of my life can be translated to the parish as well. It can be difficult when you kind of come into a town where, yeah, we've basically been doing things the same way. We might have had the same 50-year-old carpet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the office looks exactly the same as when you were a child coming in there or something like that. But um, it can be helpful, like you just said, to remember that there's a lot of wisdom in this parish. And the 93-year-old woman sitting in the front pew at Mass who's been here for, like, most of the pastors of this parish, mm-hmm. she's got a lot of wisdom. But also there's something helpful from coming from we've gone to all these different seminaries or young people who've gone to university out of their state or possibly studied abroad and just bring a broader perspective mm-hmm. they can offer. So right. possibly that might be helpful to take that next step into being a part of the parish leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, sh- we shouldn't always just look for big, flashy experiences of Catholicism or big, flashy parishes. A lot of the big, flashy stuff is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's one thing that we're tempted to do as priests is to just sort of build things on top of our own personalities or something mm. at whatever parish we're at. But I think we've been trained to to be careful with that. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna influence a parish in some way, build it up in the people around you. Don't just build it on yourself. I've known a number of mm. priests who have sort of built some idea or something on themselves, and then as soon as they're sent to another parish, it all just falls apart. Because it was big and flashy and it drew all sorts of people, but then it's like it just sort of falls apart because it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So so as you look for something that's life-giving in your own parish, don't necessarily just look for the big and flashy, but look for something that's sustainable. And and you might not find a lot of big flashy in rural Nebraska or rural Iowa, but you might find parishes that have been around for well over 100 years, 150 years. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible that it's that there's something there that's made it last that long. Right. My thought is just, what are you passionate about? If you're coming into this parish and you're looking at it saying, there's not a lot of life here. Whatever you're passionate about, there's probably some sort of inroad in the parish that you could influence in a really positive way. If you're really passionate about finances, you might be a really great asset to the finance council of the parish. Mm-hmm. But if you're really passionate about bringing people together, there's probably a whole avenue of like kind of social connections that you could hospitality hospitality ministries right yeah Mm -hmm. so maybe just pay attention to what you actually want to happen and then maybe take just the next step whatever that might be Mm -hmm. in making that move kind of like the woman you talked about father taylor Mm -hmm. being bold to speak up Mm -hmm. um, but also realizing okay hey that didn't work maybe i need to kind of revisit the idea maybe i need to take it to prayer maybe i need to get more people involved so it's just not me running with this um, Rome wasn't built overnight, but we need people to step up and uh, and really enliven the parish with all the gifts and the talents and the ways that the Holy Spirit can speak through individuals. So Totally. And <laughs> pastors, priests, we actually don't have it all figured out. Right. So <laughs> actually go talk to the priest right. about so- something maybe you want to happen or you think could work better. We'll do it without complaining usually is better. Yeah. But to offer it as a you know an idea and as an inspiration from the Holy Spirit, because we're trying just as everybody else is, mm-hmm. is to to figure things out. Well, it's a wonderful topic, and I'm sure we're going to keep, keep unpacking more of it. Uh, but I appreciate your insights, Father Travis, Father Taylor. Hey, anytime you're back in Sioux City, stop on by. You're always welcome on the show. Oh, We'd love to have you time. again. And in the park, Stone State Park. Maybe we'll go to the park. We're going to hit up never hear Stone State Park again. <laughs> we're going to get over this fear of being lost out there, okay? Oh. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. 
God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.